Hello, hello. Welcome to Think, Feel, Eat, episode number 45. Qualities needed for weight management. I am Donna Reich, your teacher, your friend, and your coach. So I'm excited to be on here today to just get us going in the new year with qualities that we might either want to seek out if we don't have them already, or that we might want to deepen if we already have them, or maybe we already have them in other areas of life and we want to apply them to weight loss. This seems to be a common thread among people trying to lose weight. Think about Oprah Winfrey, right? One of the most successful women you know, on the planet. And you know, I know there are quotes about from her that you know, I can do everything, but I can't do this, right? What is it about this? We see people all the time who are like in who in uh, my coaching classes and things like that, who are, you know, very, very overweight. And they're like, I am at the top at the law firm. I am, you know, principal of a school. I am top of banking. I am, you know, a successful parent or whatever their endeavors might be. And they don't understand why this this being weight loss, weight management, just seems to elude them, right? And I explained this a little bit last week, uh, a lot last week. I'm just going to tell a little bit about it this week. And basically what, what is happening is that we can have these certain qualities in our lives and we can have, you know, self-control when it comes to homemaking or, um, you know, staying on a time schedule and, and doing what we write down and say we're going to do in a work scenario, you know, where we're moving up the ladder or whatever. And we can, we can have certain qualities um, in other areas of our lives and yet still not seem to be able to apply those qualities to weight loss and to weight management. And there are a number of things coming into play. And I think it's important to really understand that it's not like a personal fault. It's not like some kind of um, individual, you know, lapse or individual um, you know, quality that's missing from us, because if we are able to do these, to have these qualities, to do these things in other scenarios, but we're not able to in weight loss, we have to ask why, right? Why can we be so successful in some areas with the same qualities that are needed to lose weight, the same qualities that are needed to maintain weight? And it is very similar to the same reason why somebody we love cannot stop over drinking. Why somebody we love cannot stop taking drugs. Why somebody we love cannot stop, you know, other behaviors that are hurting their lives. It's a similar process that we're going through. I'm not saying that, you know, overeating or that, um, you know, desire for uh, fattening foods or whatever is the same as, uh, as having a drug habit, but it is a similar brain process, right? I don't ever want to diminish anybody's areas of difficulty. And, you know, I've never walked in their shoes, so I don't know, but I know that the brain chemicals and the processes and the circuits are very, very similar in the areas of food, gambling, sex, um, alcohol, drugs, you know, uh, over shopping. They're similar brain processes. They're similar brain chemicals. All right. So when it comes to being successful in a work environment, we have a lot of things that kind of give us um, the, the edge, right? We have 
like deadlines. We have meetings. We have expectations. We have the fear of losing a job. We have somebody a lot of times telling us what to do. We have certain times that things are due. We have certain ways that things have to be done. And we have a lot of outside motivation, a lot of extrinsic motivations that make us do those things. But when it comes to these other areas, a lot of times we don't, right? Especially when it comes to food, it's like, you know, what's really going to matter if I eat 2,500 or 1,500 calories today? What will make the difference? You know, nobody's going to know. It's not going to, you know, be that big of a deal. Sure, I won't lose weight. I might gain a quarter of a pound or whatever, you know, might gain a, a tenth of a pound, depending on, you know, what your uh, maintenance calories are, your TDE, total daily um, expenditure. Um, but it's not the same as in work where somebody is, you know, really where, where things have to be done. Another thing that comes into play that makes the same qualities that we're able to do in here, but not able to do here so prevalent um, is definitely the whole issue of the brain chemicals, the, the brain, um, the uh, um, uh, brain processes, the brain circuits, okay, and hormones, right? Because if we are really great, suppose that we have an immaculate house and it just looks completely beautiful and we're better homes and garden and all this kind of stuff. We don't have like insulin just driving us to eat sugar, right? We don't have, um, you know, that's keeping us from doing our homemaking or making a home beautiful or whatever. We don't have dopamine you know, spiking to such an extent that we feel so driven that if we don't go to the gas station and get that treat, we, we just might not make it kind of thing, right? So that is another reason. So the extrinsic motivation is one reason that it seems like we can have character qualities and some qualities and skills and things in one area, but we can't have it with food. And then the other thing is the, the uh, brain circuits, the, um, the hormones, and the, um, the uh, like dopamine and serotonin and things like that, right? Especially when it comes to uh, dopamine, the reward habit, like we know, our, like our brain tells us, if we just have this thing, we will get such a huge reward from it. And we've done it before because it's really more of a habitual type of um, brain chemical than it is um, a... Uh, a reward. It's more like this happened before, this happened before, this happened before, and it was good. This happened before, and it was good, right? So we continue to do that. We're driven by that with food way more than we are in other areas. So um, last week, when I introduced this topic, I also talked about in our parenting seminars how we start out with four qualities for toddlers and the incrementality of developing skills in weight management. You know, there you, you hear all the time, or at least I do in my weight management studies, I hear all the time, you know, that the longer people stick with it, the more they try, the more things that they eliminate that do not work, the more attempts that they make, the more they don't give up. Like I'm not talking about trying for Weight Watchers for a month and then not doing anything for a year and then trying keto for two months and then not doing anything for a year. I'm talking about like these, the research and the, um, anecdotal evidence is that when you just stick with it, you try something, it doesn't work. You try something else, it doesn't work. You try something else, it works a little bit. You try that some more, it works some more, that type of thing. The um, 
all of that comes together to prove to us that perseverance, right? That patience, that never giving up, that stick-to-itiveness is huge in weight management. Now, last week's qualities were thoughtfulness, that is thinking about what we're going to eat, thinking about our goals, thinking about what we're thinking, thinking about our feelings, working towards getting a hold of our brains and training our brains to think in patterns and in ways that would help us more with weight loss. I'm gonna teach you that all throughout 2021, so stay with me. Um, I do have a link to uh, the self-coaching model, which is I Think, Feel, Eat, episode number one, where I teach that just like a beginner um, of that, that you can listen to right now while you wait. And there are some handouts and things with that. All right, so the first two that we had, the thoughtfulness is thinking about what we're thinking about, right? Humans are the only people who can think about what we think, right? So we can like look at, we can say, you know what? This thought isn't helping me. How can I change this thought? And, you know, animals don't do that. Humans have an amazing ability to say, you know what? Thinking about, thinking that I'll never get this right all the time is not leading to me being successful. Thinking that I'll never get this right is only hindering me. Right? Because we know in the think, feel, eat cycle or the think, feel, act cycle, thoughts like I'm never going to get this right lead to feelings of despair, of um, giving in, those kind of things, and then lead to actions of actually giving in. Right. So that was the first one, thoughtfulness. The next one was honesty. And this is one I mentioned this last week that I am working on every single day. It might be a stretch to say every hour of every day, <laughs> but maybe not. Every day I'm asking myself, am I being completely honest? I had three M&Ms. Why didn't I write that down? I'm not being completely honest. I want to be 100% honest with myself in every area of my weight management. Because when you are, when you are, when you're first losing weight, if you have like hundred pounds to lose, you don't have to do that much to lose 20, right? You, you knock off, you know, if you were eating 3000 calories and you had hundred pounds to lose, you knock off you know, 500, you're still at 2,500 calories. You're still eating quite a bit and you're losing one or two pounds a week. Um, and it doesn't, and it, it doesn't, isn't so noticeable if you veer, if you eat 24 versus 26 or 2550 versus 2450, right? It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't have that big of an impact on your weight loss, but the closer you get to your goal weight, the more any indiscrepancies in what you think you are doing and what you are really doing, i.e. lying to yourself, or in my case, lying to myself, has a huge impact on weight loss, right? So if I think I'm at 1500 calories a day, which is what I need for weight loss to my next level, if I think I'm at 1500 calories a day, but I'm dishonest about four M&Ms, I'm dishonest about how big of a serving I had of chili, and I am dishonest about um, how um, many ounces of milk I had, all of a sudden, instead of 1500 calories, I'm at 17, I'm at 1750. And that is my maintenance with working with exercise. So then I don't lose weight. So honesty is the second quality. Thoughtfulness, thinking about what you want to do, 
And I, I coupled that with journaling and I have the journal, the free journal, first four journal sheet, and then honesty, being completely honest about every single thing, weighing in every day, putting it into my um, uh, happy scales, putting every food item into my fitness pal, putting down my, being totally honest about the exact start time that I started eating and the exact stop time that I started, that I stopped eating. That being completely honest about serving sizes, being completely honest about how many times a day I'm grabbing food. Those are the things that are going to move the needle for me in 2021. And I know that's true. And that's why honesty is such a big quality for me this year that I'm working on. All right. So now I want to move into a couple of more this week, um, specifically the one that I just mentioned a little bit ago, which is um, patience and perseverance. Now, I mentioned this in the email, if you got your email today, and you can um, subscribe at donnarish.com uh, to be on the email list and get the announcements for when the lives are going to be, as well as all of the freebies. Like if you ever missed a booklet, if you ever missed a downloadable sheet, if you ever missed anything from the previous episodes, you can get them at donnarish.com forward slash freebies. All of the downloads are there, donnarish.com forward slash freebies. So I mentioned this um, in the email today that as I was preparing for this, I was having so much trouble separating perseverance and patience, right? Perseverance and patience. And so I'm going to kind of talk about them together because whenever I tried to separate them, it was like, you have to persevere when you're patient. You have to be patient when you persevere, right? So I was having a lot of trouble applying it to weight loss without keeping them together. So I was looking at a study and it uh, was a, a, a clinical study of um, a meta study, which a meta study means that it brings various um, studies together and looks at them, many of them together to come to a conclusion. It was a very, very long study. It had lots of great details in it, but it was, whew, I had to read it a few times. <laughs> kind of over my head. All right. And I am a reading comprehension teacher. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I don't read. Um, I don't uh, speak medical jargon very well. Maintenance of lost weight and long-term management of obesity. So it's basically um, why do people not maintain their weight? All right. And of course it, it had, you know, the regular information, you know, that uh, 29 long-term weight loss studies so this is not just one study. And I talked to you about the importance of, of the studies that you are trusting and believing. It's not just one study. It's not just five people self-reporting. It's not just three days long, okay? Guys, they, don't even listen to people talk about those. They, they mean nothing. They mean nothing. They have no bearing on life <laughs> because they're too short, too self-reported, too small, too few people, too, too, too. To really, to really learn from, to really gain uh, information from. So that's why whenever I hear it's a podcaster say, you know, well, this is this study I know is a short one because it was only three days. I'm just like, well, then don't talk about it. If it was only three days, don't talk about it, right? And those, you know, and it was, you know, only five people, but you know, they're probably going to find it with more. We'll wait till they find it with more, right? Don't talk about something with five people. Don't talk about something that was three days, and especially don't talk about anything that's self-reported <laughs> because humans tell lies, <laughs> right? We all, we, we self-reporting is 
I'm ha I am tr having trouble overcoming honesty, dishonesty with myself, much less filling out for somebody else and telling them what I'm doing, right? I mean, I have trouble even being honest with myself about how much I'm eating, about how many servings, about how large of the servings, about how often, about when I'm stopping, about when I'm starting. And if I'm having trouble being honest with myself, I'm certainly not going to tell a stranger that I snuck three extra M&Ms, <laughs> right? That's why self-reporting doesn't work. We don't want people to think badly of us. So self-reporting is, is not very good. All right, so 29 long-term weight loss studies. So again, meta-analysis, meta bringing a lot of studies together. And um, when people got to their goal weight, more than half the weight was regained within two years. And by five years, more than 80%. This is actually not as bad as many of the studies that I've seen. Now, um, many of the studies that have come out from the, um, the complete uh, um, denial. Um, what am I trying to say? Oh, I lost my wording. I'm sorry. Uh, complete abstain abstaining. That's what I'm trying to say. The complete abstinence. Okay, so those are groups like Brightline, Overeaters Anonymous, Food Anonymous, things like that. They are abstinent programs. So basically you abstain from certain foods for the rest of your life, certain food groups and certain foods. Um, and their, their um, data shows way even worse than this, shows way more than 80% in five years. Um, but we've heard it all, right? We've heard it all before. 80% of the people gain it back in five years. 92% gain it back in five years. 96% gain it back in five years. And we, um, you know, most of us can count on one hand the number of people we know personally who has lost weight to goal weight and then kept it off. And there was a, an aspect of this study that was really interesting to me because it talked about what happens in one year and how when and this is kind of where my husband and I are with him losing 120 me losing the last 50 in the last couple of years and 100 total is that you know keeping that off for a year is like a super great sign right it's just it's a sign that we have built the habits up that we're always going to maintain at least to this point that we're always going to be able to maintain because we've done it for it wasn't quite a year but we've done it for a long enough period of time that we developed all the habits and the staying power with it so um, in this study one of the things that it talked about was uh the importance of uh like not having such fast weight loss well this is kind of a tricky situation but it falls under the patience and the perseverance because there are a lot of people. I think people can lose weight really fast. I think people can go to a liquid diet clinic. I think people can have um, surgery. Um, I can't remember what they're called now. The bypass or the, there's another one that's less invasive right now that a lot of people seem to be doing. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Sleeve the sleeve, or I think that they can um, do like an extreme thing, like some of the five, two people who are just like not eating two days a week or three days a week or whatever, where they are just absolutely not eating food. I think that people can lose weight doing that and then go on a maintenance program that will maintain their loss. So in those situations, they might lose really, really, really fast 
okay? The problem is that we have this boomerang effect where we decide we're gonna do something really drastic. We're gonna do, you know, like the, the HCG diet, 600 calories a day for four months. I'm going to lose all of this weight and I'm going to, at the end of the four months, I'm going to weigh this amount. And during this whole four months, I'm never eating over 600 calories a day. For one thing, you'd feel pretty badly all the time, right? You would feel, you'd feel pretty raunchy. But um, if there is a maintenance protocol in place that those things can sometimes work, the, the, what happens with the boomerang effect is that they can't stay on that to get to that goal. And that was their only option. The only way they saw to get to their goal was to do that extreme, 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 right? So when they couldn't do the extreme for the extended period of time that it was going to take to get to that goal weight, then they just gave up and, you know, just even ate more because who knows when they're going to be on another extreme, right? So I think that one of the things that this study was trying to point out was that if we can just plan to lose one pound a week, we are likely doing something that is sustainable. So let's take the person who needs to lose 100 pounds and um, currently eats 2,500 to maintain their weight. That would be a little bit high, um, but um, yeah, let's just go with that. Those are easy numbers. So somebody who needs to lose 100 pounds and currently it's 2,500. Cutting down to 2,000 would result in weight loss, but would it be so impossible to do, right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel so overwhelming. It would feel like something that person could do and would likely result in one pound a week. And so that leads back to our patience and perseverance. So this comes in a few ways. We develop more perseverance and more patience. We develop more perseverance in our weight loss when we are doing something that we feel like we can keep doing. When we are doing something that we cannot continue and you don't have to continue it forever. You could do keto for a month, drop 10 pounds and then count your calories, right? I mean, you could do whatever you want, but when we set ourselves up with something that's so hard that we can't begin to do it, then we will not persevere. And that is what the study, you know, is showing that, you know, when we make it so hard that we can't persevere in it. So, you know, we have to have the patience to keep going, even when it feels really, really difficult. I'm going to talk a lot more about that with flexibility next week, but with patience and perseverance, we have to have the patience to lose at a slower rate if that's what it takes to persevere. Do you see how patience and perseverance go hand in hand? We need to have the patience it takes to lose weight at the level and the speed that we can persevere in. So, you know, if we can persevere in some drastic measure, then we won't need as much patience, but we'll need more perseverance, right? But if we can be patient to lose more slowly, then, you know, we will likely feel more perseverance, right? It's really hard to persevere in something that feels impossible and something that just feels like there's no way I can do this. And that is why 
you know, that I taught in 16, 17, and 18. I'm going to put that right here in the notes. That's why I taught in 16, 17, and 18 about picking your protocol. That one of the huge aspects of picking your protocol is choosing something that you could see yourself doing that you don't think, oh, Monday's coming and I got to do this. That instead you think, I'll do this the next meal. I'm starting. I'm starting right now. It should be something you feel like you could start with dinner today, not something that you have to work up to for Monday, right? It should be something that you feel like you can do immediately in order to be able to stay with it. Okay, so the next one is self-control. And I had some really interesting insights on this self-control issue because I've taught about it so much, right? I've taught about it in What Will I Really Do in Think Feel Eat 43, asking ourselves, what will I really, really do? What do I have the self-control built up for? What do I feel like I have within me to do? And then I taught a ton about willpower in Weight Loss Lifestyle 60 and 61. And how willpower can't make it through. We, we will not get to go weight and maintain with willpower. We have to have other mechanisms in place. We have to have other um, tools in our tool belt, many, many, many tools in our tool belt in order to uh, persevere with self-control, right? because willpower alone won't do it because we run out. We don't have enough. It's not infinite. It is, it is short-lived and we need it too much in our day and age. We've set ourselves up in this day and age to have so much ease that we need willpower just to put on shoes that we have to tie instead of slide on shoes, right? We have such a life of ease. Like seriously, there are certain boots that I do not put on because they take, because they take too much effort, <laughs> right? You gotta zip them all the way up. <laughs> so we we set ourselves up to need willpower to put shoes on in the morning. We set ourselves up to need willpower to make our bed, to brush our teeth, to floss, to put on our full makeup instead of just part of our makeup to wash our hair or not use dry shampoo that day. I mean, we start out, you know, we start out with snooze, the snooze button and we need willpower for everything. And it's just virtually impossible to last the whole day. Now, the, the new thought that I had about self-control that I'm super excited to be teaching, I'm gonna start teaching a lot more of this, is that we have a tendency to think of two things with gratification. We think of immediate gratification and we think of deferred gratification, right? Or long-term gratification. So in that case, we take this one over here is um, immediate gratification. And in weight loss protocols and plans, that's usually what that's usually where we are, right? We're right here. We're right here with immediate gratification just couldn't do it. I just couldn't stay strong enough. I just couldn't stop myself. You know, we need that gratification immediately. And then of course, delayed gratification or long-term gratification that is over here. And that is like waiting a whole month without a donut, having one donut a month saying from now on, I'm not having sugar, flour, and fat all together, but once a month, or I'm never having it again. That's like, that's like long-term forever gratification, right? So we think it's one or the other. And the, one of the thoughts that I've been having lately 
is since I've been doing the sugar plan, and I'm going to be teaching you more about that in 2021 too. Uh, also, I'm just working hard at getting it established for myself. So one of the things that that I think of with the sugar plan is that I'm okay having a sugar-free day or even two sugar-free days if I know on the second day or the third day I'm going to get some Dove candy or I'm going to get an ice cream cone, right? You know, whatever it might be. I'm okay with, this is where intermittent fasting is a perfect picture of this intermediary gratification. I'm okay not having immediate gratification to eat right now because I don't have to wait until tomorrow. I only have to wait until later today. So I propose to you that we need to plug in and use this intermediary gratification. So immediate, deferred or long-term, right? But there's not just those two. There, there is one in the middle and I'm calling that intermediary, which means in the middle, intermediary, get it? Intermediary, get it? Language arts lady. Okay. So intermediary gratification. It is the reason many, many people have taken up intermittent fasting. It is the reason why many, many people are successful on what I'm going to talk about next week with the flexible dieting. It is the reason why it's easier to be on a low sugar plan than it is to be on a no sugar plan. The no sugar plan, at least for many of us, this isn't true for everybody. Some people can go without sugar, without processed foods. And I mean, if you are one of those people, do not start. There's no reason to go backwards, right? But most of us still have a desire for foods that are not necessarily the healthiest, or even more importantly, they are so calorie dense that they, they uh, actually distract from our weight loss, detract from our weight loss. So over here, we are on um, long-term gratification. So we're saying, you know, way out there in the future, the next time I go to Disney World, I'm going to have a cupcake. Way out there in the future. Who knows? Disneyland is where we're going next, and it isn't even open. So that's way out there, delayed gratification. Delayed gratification can make us say, forget it. I'm doing it now. I'm having immediate gratification. But intermediary gratification can make us fast 16, 18, 19 hours a day because we're going to get food eventually. Intermediary. We're not saying it's way far out. We're saying it's in the middle. Intermediary gratification has made me eat way less sugar because I'm not making a no sugar, never delayed long-term gratification protocol. I'm making an in the middle protocol. Isn't that amazing? Stop and think, it, it goes back to flexibility, right? And the ability to persevere. So my goal with my sugar plan is to be able to have some things that I want while I still get to my goal weight and maintain my goal weight without having so much of the six seductive, six seductive craving food that I taught about in, can't remember where, um, over hunger versus over desire. Um, 
I, can't, I taught about it a lot. I can't find it in my list. Okay. It is not having so many of the six seductive craving elements that I can't stop. So my thought is, is there some place in the middle? Is there some place in the middle where I can stop a donut or a cupcake every week or two? Is there some place in the middle that I can still have Dove chocolate a couple times a week? I can still have dessert once a week. You know, I'm talking about sugar, sugar, fat, you know, those six seductive cravings that I've taught about a lot. But yet I can still stay on my protocol. I can still stay in my calorie allotment. I can still eat the amount of protein that I'm supposed to be eating. I can still not overindulge. I can still control my cravings. And that's where this intermediary, I think, is really going to come into play. So I'm excited because I feel like it is a, another partial answer to the self-control issue, that we can gain the self-control that we need by not saying, screw it, I'm going to eat it, I can't stop, and not saying I'm never going to have it again, or I'm only going to have it once a month, or I'm only going to have it every other month, or I'm only going to have it when I go to Disney World, whatever that might be for you. But instead having intermediary gratification. So we're still waiting for it, but we're not waiting all the way out here. We're still waiting for it, but we're not waiting so far out that we give up and say, screw it, and go off for days or weeks at a time. I think it'll work. I really do. I've already been using it. It's already been helping me immensely. Super, super excited about it. It is just this concept that it's not forever, right? I'm not not eating all week. I'm not not eating for two or three days. I'm eating this afternoon at two. I'm eating this afternoon at three, whatever time that might be. So I'm okay. I've got that interme intermediary gratification going on. All right, so that was two more qualities, actually three, patience, perseverance, and self-control. So next week, the last week of this study, we are going to talk about flexibility, which has a lot to do with that intermediary um, gratification and confidence and accountability, goal setting, so many things. I don't know how I'll ever get to them. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Um, today is the 14th. We have one more day to sign up for 25% off coaching packages. So that's donnarish.com forward slash coaching. So check that out in the next day or so. Let's get, let's work one-on-one. -on -one. I'll help you with this um, individually each week. See you soon. Thanks for joining me.